We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. If you would, open up your Bibles to the book of Luke. Before we hit Luke, a quick missions moment and update. So uh, this church, we... um, we aim every first Sunday of the month to devote time in prayer uh, for what God is doing throughout the world. We believe that um, His kingdom is larger than uh, what's happening within the walls of these four, or the four walls of this church. And a part of the DNA of our church is that we are a city movement church. City is short for church in the Y. We believe that we are here on purpose and on mission not just because it's a nice place to rent, but we're provided with a people group and a place um, to reach people for Christ. Um, God is doing some really, really amazing things um, through that commitment, through that DNA. For instance, just this past Wednesday, I got a text around 4 o'clock. I've been working with a church planter from Miami, Florida for about two months. And he, he texted me and said, Mike, the YMCA is going to let us be there. They're going to let us dwell there. We're going to plant in March. And it's so cool. Um, for those of you from Antioch, we've been studying the book of 1 Samuel. You guys are a little bit of ahead of us. Um, but a few weeks ago, we were um, studying Jonathan. And Jonathan had few resources, but he had bold faith. And um, it's just awesome to know that you guys... Um, and your hearts for the Lord, for missions, and for church planting. We're seeing churches planted all over the country. And so it's really exciting. Um, We are going to specifically pray for one YMCA today um, out in Chesapeake Bay. So this YMCA is called East Point Church. Um, um, Here's a little, yeah, there we go. Um, This is a church that meets in a Y. Um, the pastor, Sam Cassis, uh, he called us about six, seven months ago and um, just talked to us about the opportunity that they have. Um, they're growing in such a way. They, they're why they have like one bathroom for 400 people and things like that. And so it's like they, it's time to do some renovations. And they were just going, should we go ahead and buy a, a you know, buy some land and build away? Or should we stay in the Y, the central gathering point for the community where we can be there for the lost and things like that? Preface, nothing wrong with building buildings and things like that, but this is just our kind of missional DNA. And so he talked to us and they have decided uh, through talking with Y leadership and things like that, that they're going to stay. And the Y has asked them, if you stay with us, 
We have 21 YMCA's in the Chesapeake region, which is on the East Coast, just a little familiarization with our American geography. <laughs> there we go. 21 YMCA's, and they said, would you commit to planting a church in every one of those YMCA's? So it's, it's really exciting in that, that that right there could be a lifetime work, 21 churches um, in that area. And so um, uh, I emailed Sam this week, and here was his three prayer requests, and then we'll pray together for this church, okay? Um, he asked um, for conversations with the Y leadership as they think through um, um, how to renovate their building to make it a good partnership both for the YMCA and for the church. Um, uh, number two, to pray for a passion for spiritual growth and discipleship to catch fire in our church. That's, uh, that's um, his, his heartbeat. And then number three, that the church would see the why not as a rental space, but as a missional people group. Pretty good prayer request. Um, let's pray for him. And then let's let those prayers encourage and invigorate our lives um, in both the Lebanon Y and in the Mainville Y. So would you bow your heads with me? And so, Lord, we, um, we just devote this time now to prayer. We know that we can do nothing without your son, Jesus. And so we could have the coolest strategies and um, the best ideas, the biggest budgets, the coolest logos, and it doesn't mean a thing if your spirit's not blowing through it all. And so, Lord, I pray for open doors, as it says in Colossians 4, that the conversations that Sam and his elders are having with the Y, that it would bear much fruit, that the Y staff would see Jesus in them, that they would be clothed with gentleness and compassion. Lord, that you would give them great vision and, and great ideas on how to make the space um, the most exemplary space for the gospel. I think of Noah building the ark and the carefulness that, that went into that. And so, Lord, I pray that they pursue excellence in all that they do. Lord, we pray for their church, East Point, that uh, they would grow in discipleship. That, that you, Lord, would handle the breadth, but they would focus on the depth. That they would care for the orphan, the widow. Lord, that they would um, be more excited about spiritual growth than numerical growth. Lord, I pray that they would celebrate people growing in Christ often. That they would have peace this December through your son, Jesus. And Lord, we um, pray for East Point just as a community that they would embrace this mission field, this people group of the YMCA. Lord, it won't be easy. There will be ups and downs, bumps and bruises, but we're trusting you that you have this for them. There's a good line that says, if it's easy, everyone would be doing it. And so, Lord, I pray for perseverance for the church, church staff, elders. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, friends.
Luke chapter 1. This month, the sermon series is called Good News, Great Joy. Good News, Great Joy. And it's from two verses in our Bible. Uh, chapter 2, go ahead there and meet me there. Uh, chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Let me read it for us. Here's some pages flipping. I like that. And the angel said to them, chapter 2, verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So all we're going to do this, this month is we're going to ask, hey, what's the good news? Why does it bring great joy? That's what we're going to do. And I pray that this um, next few weeks, that you would be refreshed in the Lord, that you would be refreshed in the gospel, and you would get excited about the answers that Luke 1 and 2 provides with regards to those two questions. What's the good news again? Why does it provide great joy? We're going to see that the good news is not just um, a list of bullet points, not just um, a bunch of historical facts that when compiled together make up great bedtime or nighttime reading. We're going to see that this good news is a person. It's not just historically true and accurate, but it leads you to commune with God. So in chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, this is the only time that we see um, all three titles of Jesus being brought together. We see Jesus as Savior, Messiah, and Lord. So He's Savior. That would be he, that He saved people from their sins. He's Messiah. He's the promised one. And He's Lord. He's the maker of all. He's the ruler of all. And the profound and wonderful news in this these two verses is that if you embrace Jesus as He is, not in just who you want Him to be, but truly as Savior and Messiah and Lord, the result will be your joy. So question for you. Have you ever been stuck trying to explain the Gospel to someone? Like, oh, I just don't know what to say, right? Where do I start? They, they just asked me what I believe in. What do I explain to them? Or you're walking in the malls or you're in a restaurant and like a great Christmas carol comes on and, the, and you say, oh, I have this song. And they go, you know what it means? And you go, Whoa, where should I start? Right? Hopefully the next few weeks, you'll get a good idea of what the gospel is and you'll be equipped to share with others. So next week, we're going to be studying from Luke 1, 26 through 37, um, how the good news is that Jesus's kingdom has no end. So next week's all about the kingdom. The following week is how Jesus provides mercy. That's a massive part of the good news. And then the following um, time when we meet, it's about how Jesus grants us no fear. So let's go ahead and start this morning on Luke chapter 1, 1 through 4. And it's on how the good news is true. 
and meant to be shared. That's the title of the morning. The good news is true and meant to be shared. Now, I know this might not be very earth-shattering for you. Like, oh, come on, Newman. Like, of course, we're all here. We're in church. I've already bought the idea that the gospel, the good news is true. Um, Isn't this like a little bit of like belaboring the point? I think it's good to review it. Um, I remember, I've shared this story one other time, but when I was in seminary, I went to Dallas Seminary, and um, I was in a preaching class, and the preaching professor asked, what makes a good sermon? About 30 guys, all under the age of 30, and hands started to shoot up. Um, Passion! He's got to be passionate. So the professor wrote down passion. He's got to be authentic. Authentic. He's got to connect with the people. Connect. Uh, he's got to not be distracting. Um, you know, all these, all these kind of answers that are like, yeah, yeah, I guess so, I guess so. And then I remember this one guy from Romania. And in my best Romanian accent, he raised his hand and he goes, what about if it is true? <laughs> and all of us went, right? I could be so sincere, but I could be sincerely wrong and lead a whole church astray. When we come to the Christmas story, it needs to be said that these things actually happened. It's true. It's fact. And that is not a popular thing to say these days. Um, these days, yes, in 2022, but also in the time of Christ. You remember Pilate? Pilate said, well, what is truth? And so for the last 2,000 years, truth has been attacked. Even today, people don't like truth. They don't warm to the truth. The culture is against it. Evidence even of, of the culture being against truth, this is, this is not the greatest argument, but I like it, okay? Uh, there has been a, a, a significant decline in detective, the detective genre over the past few years. Why? Like nobody's reading Sherlock Holmes anymore because there's an underlining assumption in detective novels that there is a truth and it should be discovered. There is a right, there is a wrong, and our man Sherlock needs to find it out, right? If you love Agatha Christie novels, you'll see um, the latest detective novels um, dilute the truth. Listen to this quote by G.K. Chesterton. He wrote um, a de- detective. He wrote about detective stories in 1930, and he entitled it "The Ideal Detective Story." Listen to this. It is the essence of a mystery tale that we are suddenly confronted with the truth, which we have never suspected, and yet we can see to be true. But people don't like truth anymore. If there is no truth and truth is received as being arrogant, 
and inauthentic, then truth just got trumped by passion, sincerity, authentic connection. When Luke started his gospel, he wanted us to know that what he was writing wasn't just sugar plum fairies, fantasy made up stories that might like sound nice. What is recorded in these pages right here is what actually happened. Not just so that you would have traditions around Christmas time, or not just something that you would have to talk about uh, in December, but that you would be gripped with the person and work of Jesus Christ and be changed by him. Let's read it together. Would you meet me in verse 1 of chapter 1? This is the word of the Lord. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished amongst us, verse 2, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good for me also having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Um, not, many, not many folks think that this is um, the beginning of our Christmas story, um, but Luke seems it and deems it important to say, hey, everything I'm, I'm about to tell you about Jesus' birth it's true. And I'm going to give you an order. Just look at that verse one um, together. It says to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished amongst us. Okay. So Luke's word choice, when he says accomplished, we would immediately think like, check the box. This is what he did, which is true. Um, but the better understanding of it is these are the things that Jesus fulfilled. So you got the Old Testament, you got all of God's promises, all of them pointing to Jesus Christ. And here we have Luke opening up the gospel, and he's going to say, all of the things that were promised, I'm going to show you how Jesus fulfilled them. Promises given to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and King David. And then the New Testament, here they are being fulfilled. In this book, there's specifically ten promises uh, in these in these um, in these twenty four chapters that were fulfilled, his virgin birth, his sinless life, his baptism, his temptation, his transfiguration, the Garden of Gethsemane struggle, his crucifixion and death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. So all of those are true, and they were accomplished or fulfilled. Look at verse 4 with me. It says that you may have certainty concerning these things that have been taught. Which is such great news. The good news of Jesus provides the believer with certainty. So let me ask, have you ever asked someone, hey, if you were going to die today, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? It's a great question. If you don't have that in your back pocket, go ahead and put it there. It's a wonderful question um, to engage the lost with. Okay, um, I remember a few weeks ago, I was in the Y, 
and there was this guy and he was delivering treadmills and I just kind of felt led to just engage him and talk to him. And so um, I, I struck up a conversation and he, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when, whenever Jensen was talking about this last week, but whenever you um, start with guys, usually like the second or the third question is like, what do you do? Right. And so he asked me and I said, well, I'm a pastor. And I said, well, I wouldn't be much of a pastor if I didn't ask you how you're doing with your soul. <laughs> is, there, is there anything I can pray for or anything that you want to talk about? Or, and I remember his answer was, uh, I got issues. And I was like, I don't know what that means. You know, he's got issues. He's got issues. I said, what kind of issues? He goes, family issues. I said, oh, I'm sorry, we don't know anything about that, you know. <laughs> we, don't, we don't do issues. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, um, I, I got to pray with him. And, uh, and then I said, well, what are you doing? You want to come lift with me? And so um, this guy, we were doing deadlifts at the time. And uh, this guy's like, what in the world is this, you know? And um, I said, all right, I got, I got a question for you. I, I just, I totally believe that God brings people together for certain conversations. And so I got to ask, if you were to die today, how sure are you that you would go to heaven? Because we're talking about spiritual things. You know, and it was like, let's just cut to the chase, right? And he, he gave me a, a long and mystical answer. And you just really, when you are witnessing, you really got to pray and ask the Lord for wisdom and how to discern and how to like draw back the curtains of, of someone's heart. Like, what did he just say? What's going on, right? And it, it, it was a really good, really good conversation. When you ask that, um, it typically is met with this answer. If you're going to die today, how sure are you? I'm good, right? I'm good. And then you can follow up and say, well, why? Like, tell me, I just want to get to know you. Why do you feel like you're good? Like on a scale of one to 100, are you 100%? He's like, well, I've been a good person. I do good things. Um, like, I, I've, I've sinned a couple of times, I'm sure, but um, I think I'll be okay. Christianity provides certainty for the believer that they can go to heaven, 100%. That is a very humble statement. It's not an arrogant statement. And I'm not, I'm, I don't want to particularly pick on any religious group, but in the Catholic Church, certainty is the height of arrogance. Knowing where you're going to go after death is not a high value in the Catholic Church. And to say that you're, that, that you're going to heaven is very much so frowned upon. How can the believer say that he's certain 100% and stay humble? And I would say because the promises of Scripture and the merits of Jesus Christ. It's Him, not us. Jesus died, He rose again, and He affirmed all the Scripture. And therefore, when He says, 
Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We can trust that. We can take it to the bank. That salvation will come to that person if they believe. Amen? That's beautiful certainty, friends. So the good news is true. It's fact. Not meant to be argued with. Not meant to be debated with. But you must either believe or reject it. There is no neutral grounds to the gospel. So the good news is true, number one. Number two, the good news is meant to be shared. How many of you have watched a good movie lately? And then, how long has it taken you to tell someone about it, right? I mean, that's just the classic example. The next day, right? You're like, oh, you know, we saw this movie last night. It was so good. What's the next thing that we usually say? You got to see it. You got to see it, right? You're like always recommending and recruiting others with our movies. The gospel, how much more? Amen? I want to share with you something that I've really been encouraged by and found really challenging this week. Look at the end of verse 4 with me. This is chapter 1. That you may have certainty concerning, watch this, the things you have been taught. So in Luke's Gospel, there's an emphasis on people receiving the true message and then taking that true message and teaching it, passing it on to others. Turn the page with me. Go to chapter 2, verse 17. Let me read it for us. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now watch how Luke closes off this section. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Isn't that fascinating? Just the first two chapters, already we see, we see the first part Luke saying, Hey, I'm going to tell you, the- Theophilus, because I've been told. And then here we see an example. The shepherds receive the truth, and then they go off and tell others. This truth of the message is a person being shared to others. It's, it's even found in the first four verses. I love that. Watch how Jesus shared it with Paul. So Jesus... Um, Paul is murdering Christians. Jesus plucks them out, puts them on the road to Damascus, shows up, and Paul, the Apostle Paul, is converted. He goes from killing Christians to now spending his life pouring into Christians, it says in Philippians, for their joy and progress in the faith. That was like what he did. Paul, while he was doing that, met this guy named Luke. In Colossians 4, he calls him the beloved physician. And while he was traveling around, sharing the gospel with people, planting churches, discipling people, he imparted the word and his life to Luke. Luke got to see him uh, loving and giving Titus grace and truth, giving him instruction. He got to see uh, Paul pour into Timothy. He got to see him rise 
liked Timothy. It was, it was this discipleship model of watching Paul spend his life for Jesus. And so the value of doing deep work in the lives of a few people multiplied in the life of Luke. Now, if you were to hold up your Bibles and you just pinched the New Testament, the New Testament has 27 books, and roughly a fourth of those books were written to one guy. Theophilus. Luke and Acts were written to one guy. Luke, after seeing Jesus pour into Paul, Paul into Luke, Luke pours his life into one person. Do you see that in verse in verse one? It seemed good to me. Sorry, chapter one, verse three. It seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So do you think that the good news of Jesus Christ died with Theophilus? Was he like, thanks Luke, I'm good to go now? You think so? No. We're all here today because of their faithful work. But especially we're all here today because someone told you the good news of Jesus. Someone witnessed to you. I know it's scary, but look at the great benefit it has had on your life. You've been saved from your sins because someone told you about it. How does that work? God's sovereignty, man's responsibility. I think the greatest verse to understand that is this. The vehicle for God saving people is people's mouths. Romans 10, 17. And faith comes through and hearing by the, so you share, they hear, and God saves those whom he will. So I think the big question would be, is it going to die with us? Right? Is it going to die with you? 1933, there's a man named Dawson Trotman. Um, he started to work with sailors in the Navy. And uh, there, Dawson taught a sailor named Les Spencer the foundations of the Christian life and how to grow in Jesus. And one time, there was a significant conversation that was recorded where he was pouring his life into this guy, Les. And Les catches it that Dawson is pouring into me and I should tell others. And so he started telling this other guy and he, and he was like, what would be easier Maybe if I just brought this other guy to Dawson. And so he did. And he brings him to Dawson. He goes, hey, would you teach him everything you were teaching me? And Dawson said, you teach him. <laughs> Excuse me. That was the beginning of the Navigators movement. The Navigators ministry. consistent with 2 Timothy 2.2 2, and the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will in turn teach others. It's the great commission of Jesus Christ. This is our strategy. So the question this month would be who's your Theophilus? 
I know that we've planned for Christmas. We've thought about it. We've thought about the food. We've thought about you know the decorations and things like that. But the Christmas message is meant to be shared. Who will you share it with? Would you consider that this month? Would you ask the Lord to give you one person? One person to talk about Jesus with? To build a relationship with and to share the truth about being certain of where you're going when you die. Last time I checked, the death rate is 100%. It's the greatest message ever. And it'll be great. It'll bring great joy to you. So, Father, we are going to trust you. Lord, any time that I ask you, where do you want to use me? You always show me the way. Lord, any time I ask you to burden my heart, you always give me names. That's the Holy Spirit at work inside me. And I just praise you for that. And I pray and ask that you would do the same for your church. Lord, would you give my brothers and sisters in here great vision and direction this month on how to be used by you in the lives of others. It'll be a great work. It'll be a great calling. There will be fear. There will be anxiousness. There will be nervousness. But it's so worth it. Would you encourage? Would you equip? Would you bless this church? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing a song called There is a King. And it is a great chance for you to respond to God's word this morning. Acknowledging God as king is recognizing that He is in authority over your life and you must submit to Him. There's no other way. And so as you sing this song, would you give your heart to Him and go, alright Lord, I, I, I am going to obey Your Word. Lord, I didn't come here just to hear a nice message today. Lord, I came to, to follow after You. And the calling is clear. I submit to You. That's where we need to be as a church. So let's sing unto the Lord with that heart in mind.